check me. Still rocking the docks, tall socks and crocs. Got some gray in the go, call me Silver Fox. Got that ornamental turtle, stakes on the weather. Ten years later, looking better than ever. I'm a middle class hustler. When it comes to saving money, I'm a buster. Keep an iron grip on that thermostat. When we leave the house, I'ma crank it up to 80. I don't spend a dime on those name brands. Spent the last 10 years in the same pants. Got that meal plan. You know I'm saving a bunch. Brown bagging for the fam every day for lunch. Eat up. I've been working on that reno, got them paints and stains Ship lapping like a boss, you can call me Chip Gaines My window panes, thermal treated for efficiency They'll pay for themselves by 2043 I turn a honeydew list into honey done I can flip a half bath in a half day, son I'm in the zone, I'm on my grind And I only had to use YouTube four times Dad life, dad life, button down plaid life What you know about about that burger flipping dad life telling jokes diet cokes it ain't a bad life it's a dad life I may be new to the game, but I'm rolling in smooth. Anything is possible. New dad attitude. Crib locked down like it's Fort Knox, baby proof. And you know that food non-GMO. That's the truth. Pass on the Mickey D. Nope. Not gonna give them the mac and cheese. Uh -huh. Not gonna give them a sugar drink. Pass. I only give them that gluten free. Uh -huh. Yes, indeed. Uh -huh. Bye bye, baby gift card. Yeah, I'm swiping that. Stinky baby booty, no sweat. Yeah, I'm wiping that. I'm in grandpa mode, yeah, my kids got kids I'ma spoil those babies every chance I get Hit the park, then the zoo, on my brand new hip Last stop, Dairy Queen, get that double dip They call me Peepaw, and that's a fact to me and Meemaw Going rogue with the snacks If you didn't want my grandkids eating the sweets Then you should have thought twice before you left them with me a smartphone, but I don't know how to use it. Text message font size bigger than a Buick. Saw a funny video, I wanna send it to you, but I can't figure out how to get it off the YouTube. Roll up to the pool, turning heads. I don't even care if I embarrass my kids. Sunbathing, I'm a feast for the senses Got my glasses on, transitional lenses Dad life, dad life, no you can't be chat life What you know about that burger flipping dad life? Raising teens, birds and bees It ain't a bad life, it's a dad life Hot rods, hot dogs, working on my dad bod Flexing on the beat in my burger flipping big dogs Taking naps, CPAPs it ain't a bad life, it's a dad life. Come on. Where are my dads at? Make some noise, dads. Yeah, happy Father's Day. Glad to be here with you all today. Welcome to church. If you're watching online, welcome. We're glad that you're joining us today. My name is Stephen. I am the lead pastor at our Ocean Springs location. That's our first, fourth community here at Northwood Church. 
First time I've been back in Gulfport in a little while. I'm excited to be here, see a lot of faces I have missed for a long time. And so I'm excited to, to share with you today. You know, today is Father's Day. And uh, man, we just want to take a moment to encourage and, and honor you dads. Uh, you know, it's, it's a real privilege to be able to be called daddy, right? And maybe, maybe your kids get a little older and all of a sudden you're just dad. Maybe you're pops. I don't know how, how that works in your household. But uh, whatever your name becomes from your kids, who you are and your responsibility, actually, uh, it doesn't change too much until, of course, kids marry. But you see this responsibility that these guys have in, in this video. And, man, they're doing all kinds of practical things. They're getting the house ready. They're, they're doing renos and building businesses and, and taking care of the babies and all these different things. And, and those responsibilities, really, they really do matter a lot. And we'll always care for our families as dads in very practical ways. But did you know that there's a way that a dad is called to care for his family that they really didn't deal with in this video? But here at Northwood Church, we follow Jesus, we believe in the scripture and, and what God has set forth for us as families. And so, so we want to encourage you to not only think about the practical ways that dads are to care for their families, but also to think about the spiritual ways that dads are called to care for their families. You know, dads, you've been given the role and responsibility to one, display to your children really what a father, a loving father is to look like. And, and ultimately, our goal is that we will reflect the love of Jesus, the love of, of, of our heavenly Father, so that our kids would see that and desire that as well. And I know that none of us are perfect. As a matter of fact, a, a lot of us probably have kind of a, a, a mixed feel on Father's Day. Maybe Father's Day is tough for some of you. Uh, maybe you didn't have a relationship with your dad, and, uh, and that was tough. Maybe you had some some relational issues, uh, and it's just, just hardship. Uh, maybe there was abandonment. I, I don't know. I, I know maybe you lost your father in the, the recent past, and you're just missing him. I, I know Father's Day is, is, is mixed emotions for a lot of people, and I'm, I'm sorry if you're having a, a, a tough time coping with Father's Day, but, but nonetheless, we still need to encourage us fathers to take responsibility in the ways that God has given us the opportunity. And in this culture that we live in. Man, we are called to be light in our households against the backdrop of the darkness of the culture, against the trend that's moving away from biblical principles and what God has called his people to. And we're to set a standard, an example, to walk in a way that's worthy of the calling in our home. And again, we will miss it at times, we'll fail. And that's why today we're going to pray for the grace of God to empower us to be successful as dads. Would you guys, as fathers, like some prayer today? Come on, this is what we're going to do. If you see a dad sitting next to you, around you, would you just put your hands on their shoulder, maybe reach out to them, extend a hand of blessing, and I just want to pray, and let's all agree and bless dads in this place today. Father, we thank you that, that you have given dads the opportunity, the privilege, and the great responsibility to be the spiritual uh, leaders for their children in their homes. God, I pray that you would empower dads in this place today by your Holy Spirit, God, that you would cause them to align themselves with your word and the standard that you've set for your people and that they will model that as an example in their home and that their children will be able to look at them and say, I want to follow you, dad, as you follow Christ. God, help dads in this place today leave a godly legacy, a legacy of Christ-likeness in their home, a legacy of disciple-making, God, that will cause 
children to be raised up that would carry the baton of faith into the next generation. Help dads carry the balance of the practical responsibility, the spiritual and emotional responsibility. God, give them wisdom, discernment, sensitivity, and most importantly, give them a ministry of presence, that they would be present with their families, with their children, so that their children have access to all of who you gifted them to be and created them to be. Bless them in Jesus' name. Amen. And amen. Come on. Let's give it up for dads one more time. Happy Father's Day. We love you, dads. I'm honored to be a dad. I love doing what I get to do day in and day out. You know, sometimes it, it is hard. And, uh, but I'll tell you, the reward I'm, I'm learning is far outweighing the difficulty of parenting. And so stay the, uh, stay the, the, the course. And I believe God's going to bless uh, whatever you put your hands to in your family. By the way, we want to bless you uh, practically. We've got some beef jerky in the house. We got a gift for you guys. Whoever chose that gift knew my love language. I'm, I'm just saying. I, uh, that, I'm excited. And if you don't want yours, I'll take it, okay? I've got a few announcements for you guys before we get into the message series uh, today. I want to talk to you about giving. You know, here at Northwood Church, we're a very generous church. We have been for many, many years. Uh, we're built on generosity. We believe God has called believers to gather together and resource the church to continue to expand the mission of God locally, internationally, and everything in between. And so uh, your giving in goes to many different things week in and week out. And I wanted to highlight one of those things today that I think is a really noble cause. I think it's something that we can all get behind and be encouraged that our giving is supporting a ministry like this. It's called Advocates for Freedom. And what Advocates for Freedom does is they're dedicated to uh, end to cancel the exploitation, sale, and enslavement of men, women, and children. Did you know that there is modern day slavery. This is a, an organization that we're partnered with that's doing justice to set the captives free that are attached to the sex trade. America, uh, Advocates for Freedom has led the way through awareness and education to stop human trafficking in Mississippi and beyond. And I want to encourage you guys to just continue to pray for this organization, but also to continue to be generous with your giving so that we can continue to partner with organizations like this. There's three simple ways to give. Uh, you can give by going online to northwood.church slash giving. Uh, you can set up a one-time payment. You can do reoccurring. Uh, you can also give, I believe we've got uh, buckets or excuse me, boxes in the lobbies that you can go and give in uh, there, just drop your giving, or you can mail it in to the address that you'll see on the screen. And so please just continue to be prayerful and faithful in giving. I believe God loves a, a cheerful giver. Next, I wanted to talk to you about Baptism Sunday. That's next Sunday. If any, yeah, baptism, it's something to celebrate. It's a party, absolutely. We rejoice over when people give their lives to Christ and make a, a public profession of their faith. And that's really part of what the baptism is. It's a public profession. But it's also an act of obedience. Did you know that Jesus said, believe and be baptized? That's pretty clear instruction for us. So if we're a follower of Jesus, we put our trust in Jesus and haven't yet been baptized, I want to encourage you to be baptized. And even if you were baptized years ago as a, as a young person and maybe you didn't think your confession of faith was that sincere and you know that you've rededicated your life or really sincerely dedicated your life to Christ for the first time, you can also be baptized. So go to northwood.church slash baptisms. We'll be doing that at all of our locations uh, following services. You'll sign up and you'll get some information 
information in your email once you do. Uh, the last thing I wanted to mention here today in regards to announcements, I wanted to talk to parents and students of uh, any students who are in 6th to 12th grade. That's our impact students. Any impact people in the house? Make some noise, a little noise. Yeah, woo, woo, yeah, woo. Man, we're going to have to do better than, than that. That was very subtle. Very subtle. Any impact leaders in the house? Make some noise. Yeah, okay, okay. We love our impact student ministry. We are a generational church, and we believe that all generations matter, and so we want to invest specifically in our younger generation. In this way, we have our Northwood Student Intensive Edition Squad Wars this summer. It's July 13th through 15th, and, and what we want to do is we want to invite students to come to our Gulfport location. That's here on O'Neill Road. Our Gulfport community is going to be hosting this, and it's free. So that just overcame one hurdle for you if you were worried about having to come up with some, like, summer camp, you know, charge. That, that stuff's expensive. Summer camps are expensive, aren't they? We're, we're not doing that to you. We want to bless you and bless your student. And so drop your student off here um, uh, on July 13th. You can sign up at northwood.church students to sign up, get some more information. And uh, what's going to happen is your students are going to have an opportunity to build relationships with Jesus, with their leaders here at Impact, as well as with some uh, friends that they may already have or friends that they're yet to, to meet. And so we really want to encourage you, uh, especially I'm, I'm the former student pastor here, and I'm passionate about this. I'm passionate about what Pastor Mike is putting together for our students. It's an incredible thing that we uh, have the opportunity to gather together during the summers as, as leaders and students in these environments. We've seen so much growth, so much life change take place in these atmospheres, and I just want to encourage you to take advantage of it. Amen? Come on. So we're going to move out of the announcements into our message. And I feel like this is, this is about the right height. This is a different podium than I'm used to preaching off of in Ocean Springs. By the way, I did want to let you know Ocean Springs is doing incredibly well. For those of you that have been praying... I just want to thank you for continuing to prayerfully support us. Uh, thank you for continually asking how we're doing out in Ocean Springs. Me and Amy and the team that God has aligned around us, we are blessed. Uh, there is a, a family culture there. There is an incredible community of people that God is gathering, and, and we believe the, that we're just getting started. The best is yet to come. So please keep praying. Uh, we're looking forward to all that God is going to do in Ocean Springs. Uh, here we are in our Summer at NC uh, message series. And, uh, you know, I don't know if you realize this, but all of our uh, pastors and the rest of our teaching team are rotating through all of our locations for this series. And so you're going to be hearing from different people. And that's why I have the opportunity to be here today, which I'm super excited about. You know, we're one house with multiple communities, uh, one church with multiple communities, one house with multiple rooms. That's actually what we like to say. And so we've got people at all four locations today. And uh, man, I just want to, I was thinking before I came up here about your pastors that are here at this location. Uh, first off, let's just appreciate our uh, senior pastor, Pastor Jordan Dakota. You guys love your senior pastor? He's an incredible friend to me, uh, but he's also an incredible leader, an incredible pastor. And I'm so blessed, and, and I believe Northwood Church as a whole is blessed by his leadership. But also here at Gulfport specifically, your lead pastor, Pastor Casey Stokes, he's an incredible friend and brother. He's a wonderful pastor. 
And, uh, man, he's been, a, in so many ways, such an inspiration to me and encouragement in my faith. And I know he and Kerry and, and all the team members that are, are surrounding them are doing an incredible job leading uh, Gulfport to a place of health. And we're just so thankful for, for what God's doing here. And I just want you guys to continue to encourage them. You know, this is not for the faint of heart. We are in a very challenging season as not just a local church, but as the global church, as really culture shifts dramatically. And we are learning how to do ministry in new context. Text. And so please continue to pray for all of us, but especially here in Goldport for uh, Pastor Casey. And by the way, I think today is Carrie's birthday, if I'm not mistaken. And so on the count of three, can we get a huge happy birthday for Carrie? One, two, three. Happy birthday, Carrie. We love you. Man, I hope you guys are enjoying your time away. Here we go. You guys ready for this message? I'm ready for this message. My hope is that, uh, well, it stirs hope. That's what I've been praying, that this would stir hope in you. I'm also praying that it would offer you a faith-filled perspective on some things that maybe some of us struggle with. I'm hoping that it will fuel resilience in this time, this present moment of many of our lives that is very complex. Life in and of itself can be tough without all of the additional complexities of the things that are happening around us. And, and so I'm hoping that this will help us see a little bit more clearly about what God's doing and is yet to do. And I know that what I'm going to talk about today is a big topic. And so this is a big task to try to consolidate a big topic in a small little bit of time. But I'm going to do my best by the grace of God. And I'm believing that I'm, this is going to be a, a snapshot of a place that a lot of Christians find ourselves. Like I believe that many of you probably find yourselves in, in this specific place. It's a place of longing, longing for something more. It's a place of tension where you just kind of, you're unsettled in some ways. You just feel kind of pulling in this direction, pulling in that direction. And really, it's a place that this sermon is named for. Today's sermon is called The Place in Between. Why don't you look at your neighbor real quick and say, hey, we're in the place in between. Look at, back at your neighbor that you said that to and say, hey, as long as I'm between with you, I'm okay. <laughs> yeah, and if you're watching online, I know that might have felt weird if you were by yourself, but I'm glad you followed along as well. The place in between. What am I talking about? Where is this place in between? Well, have you ever had an aspiration that took you a while to reach, like a goal, something that you had in your heart, in your mind that you knew you could, could accomplish, but you had to take some steps before you got there? Maybe you aspired towards a summer body. But alas, one more year of swimming in a t-shirt. Man, every time I get close to it, I get an injury, I get sick, something happens, but thank God for some good friends that are like, you're looking slim, bro, you know? And so uh, maybe you've had an aspiration for a winning season as an athlete, as a fan, and unfortunately, your team is just simply mediocre, unless you're a fan of the Philadelphia 76ers, game seven, anyway. Maybe you have aspired to build a home or maybe a home renovation project. 
And you've already seen the plans, you've already got the contract signed, you've already maybe even got the foundation laid, right? And you're already imagining what life in this home is going to be like. You're imagining lounging in the living room with your family, got your kids just kind of under the arm watching some, some fun family movie. Maybe you're imagining sitting around the table with your friends and family and neighbors. Maybe you're imagining being on that dream patio in the backyard, Right? If you're, if you're building a really nice home, maybe you're imagining that dream outdoor kitchen. Like, what? Drinking your favorite beverage. You already see it, right? And you're excited, and it's rising up in you as if you already live in the home and are experiencing all the benefits of the home. But you're actually not yet there. You still have some steps to take to get there. You've not yet experienced the fullness of the dream, and, and you're holding on to hope. You're like, hey, man, I've seen what the, what the elevations look like. I've seen the plans, the digital renderings. I know what it could be, but I'm waiting and I'm hoping. And then all of a sudden, what happens? Well, your contractor calls and says, I'm sorry. The doors and windows are going to be delayed 30 days. I'm sorry. COVID hit. The doors and windows are now delayed 90 to 120 days. I'm sorry, I know we signed that contract, but I can only absorb 7% increase in materials and wood just went up 68%. I'm sorry. And your hope in this dream, right, all of a sudden it starts to become unstable. Your hope is almost like it's deferred because you can sense the delay is coming. And you know what the Bible says about hope that's deferred? It makes the heart grow sick. The heart grows sick when hope is deferred. Did you know that your soul, your soul aspires for something? Your soul is aspiring for sanctuary, just like the kind of sanctuary you might find in that house, just like the kind of rest that you would find in that house. Your soul aspires for that. And you actually sense that you've already experienced it. As a matter of fact, We have something inside of us that that really, we're like, I know what it should feel like, but it maybe doesn't feel like that yet. You've not yet experienced the fullness of rest. You know why that is? Well, because God intended for us to have rest in our souls. God intended for us to have a place of sanctuary. And in the Garden of Eden, we actually did have rest and sanctuary. But some things happened. So we had this taste of eternity in the garden. We were experiencing the fullness of God's presence. We were experiencing loving union. We had abundant life. We had human flourishing. We had liberty and freedom, holistic wholeness, mind, body, and soul. We were whole creatures. And then Adam's trespass. Yeah, I blame the man. Fathers, I take responsibility. Adam's trespass against the boundaries that God set for him and his wife in the garden, caused the curse of sin and death to come onto him and all of humanity and all of creation and brokenness followed. Brokenness in relationship, brokenness in our experience, brokenness in our soul. And now that, that longing for sanctuary, that longing for rest remains, but we feel unfulfilled in that. Can anybody relate? You know, in Ecclesiastes 3, it says that God has put eternity into man's heart. Eternity, 
what we sensed in the garden, what we'll have in the future, eternity, that, that wholeness, God put that in man's heart, a desire for that, a longing for that, yet so that he cannot find out what God has done from the beginning to the end. See, I love the amplified version, how the amplified version of the Bible talks about this. It says, God has put a sense of divine purpose. Anybody searching for purpose in life? Divine purpose, a mysterious longing which nothing under the sun can satisfy. Oh, and by the way, you can't comprehend or grasp God's full plan. They just threw that one in there as well. And so here we are longing for something that we believe God's promised, that he's capable of providing. We're hungering and thirsting for it, yet we don't feel it fully feel like it's, it's complete in us and we don't totally understand God's plan. Does anybody find themselves in a position like that at times? I know I do as a pastor, as a man. I, I listen to a, a great theologian. You guys probably are familiar with this. I'm going to uh, actually sing it. This is from a, a song, a hymn that he wrote. Uh, I'm not going to sing it well because I don't have a good voice but I, so that you can hear it because I think this is how you'll relate to it. I still haven't found what I'm looking for. You guys know that great theologian, right? Bono from U2, right? This man has traveled the world, has had everything that a person might hope for or desire and still hasn't found what he's looking for, longing for something more, desiring the new garden city that God has promised, desiring the new Jerusalem, desiring heaven and all of the fullness of what that means for us, right? Revelations 21 gives us a picture of what heaven will look like. I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them. This is this picture of unbroken communion with God perfect relationship and they will be his people and God himself will be with them as their God. I love this part. He'll wipe away every tear from their eyes and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning nor crying nor pain anymore. The former things have passed away. All of that's gone in heaven. Doesn't that sound like a place of rest doesn't that sound like a sanctuary that you would like to dwell in with God? He who was seated on the throne said, Behold, I'm making all things new. And so we've got this hope in this promise. And we believe that God's already promised it and has actually already given us a taste of the fullness of that promise. But we've not yet fully experienced it. And we live in that tension in the place in between. That's why we've named this sermon the place in between. And it seems so far away sometimes, that, that promise. And our hope is deferred. And our souls grow sick. Our minds wander. And some of us have health issues in so many different ways and we're longing for that wholeness that we see promised to us in heaven. And waiting and sometimes that hope being deferred, it can also begin to wane. We can begin to lose hope. Now, the faith-filled Christian sitting in this room right now is talking about, hold up, pastor. 
You're a little young. If your faith was a little more developed, then you might know, you might realize that in 2 Corinthians 5, 16, we see that I'm already a new creation in Christ. Didn't you know that it said, from now on, we regard no one according to the flesh. We're not regarding one another according to our brokenness. We're not regarding one another according to the pain and the sorrow and all of those things. We're regarding one another in the spirit. Skip down a little bit. It says, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has passed away. The new has come. And you're shouting from the seat, I'm born again. Come on, I'm brand new. I'm fresh out the box. God popped the tag on me. Look at me. It's no longer I that lives, it's Christ that lives in me, right? And we're, we're professing this and we believe this. Yeah, you can clap, it's true. The devil knows me by name but calls me by my sin. God knows me by my sin but calls me by my name, right? We're just, we're full of faith. We're a new creation. And I would say, hallelujah, amen. That's completely true. But I would also ask, don't you know what it says in 1 Corinthians 15? It says that we're not yet completely new. It says, behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. Shall be. If you look at the Greek, it's future tense. We will eventually, ultimately in the future be changed in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised imperishable. And we shall then be changed. Did you know that though we're already new, we're not yet completely new? Well, why does that matter? Well, because sometimes I don't feel brand new. Sometimes I feel like the old me is just rising up inside. And if I don't realize that though God's promised something and has already done something, but I forget that he's still doing something and is yet to do something, I will grow weary in this journey. And I will be very discouraged continuing to see that old man trying to rule and reign in my life. Not realizing that God's not done with me yet. So we live in this place in between longing for completion. And that same faith-filled person sitting in the chair, hold up there, boss. Don't want to call me pastor now. What about this? I'm already adopted in Christ. I'm a child of God. Don't you know what Romans 8, 15 says? I did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but I've received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. Come on, I'm a son of the king. He doesn't just call me by name, I call him by name. That's, that's my father God. Every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realm is mine and I walk out my faith in fear and trembling as a son or a daughter. Come on, that's the, that's the promise of God in our lives, right? And I'd say, hallelujah, amen. That's completely true. But did you know, just a few verses later, if you were to keep reading, it says, I did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back in the fear in 8.15. In 8.23, it shows that we're not yet completely adopted. We ourselves, who have the first fruits of the spirit, grown inwardly. As we wait eagerly for adoption as sons. 
the redemption of our bodies. We're waiting on the adoption. We're waiting on the redemption of our bodies, and we're groaning eagerly. You know what that groaning is? That's an expression of grief. It might be an expression of anger. What types of things might we get angry at? Our own brokenness, the brokenness of the world around us, the, the offense that the enemy committed against our souls and those whom we love in this world itself. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm groaning with anger at times over the brokenness of this world. I'm, I'm groaning with a desire for what's not yet fully happened, and I'm waiting. And you're sitting there asking, you mean to tell me I'm already adopted, but I'm not yet adopted? That's exactly what I mean to tell you. That's what the Bible is telling us. See, we live in this place in between. And we're longing for the completion of God's promise. And the faith-filled, this person, they don't give up. You're full of faith. Of course you don't give up, right? We don't grow weary in well-doing. And so you got something else for me. Hold up there, son. I'm already in the kingdom right now, aren't I? I'm in the kingdom now. Don't you know what Colossians 1 says? He's delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his beloved son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. I'm a citizen of heaven. I have every benefit that a citizen of heaven would have. I walk in the power and authority of God, of Jesus Christ. His blood's cover me. I'm empowered by the spirit. I confess the word and the truth has set me free. I'm a, I'm a member of the kingdom of God. And I say, hallelujah. Amen. That's true. But did you know <laughs> what 2 Peter Chapter 1 says, it says that we're not yet completely in the kingdom. It says, be all the more diligent to confirm your calling and election. For if you practice these qualities, you'll never fall. What qualities was Peter referring to? Well, if you look back a few verses, he gave instruction about supplementing your faith with virtue and your virtue with knowledge and self-control and steadfastness and godliness and brotherly affection and love. And so, so he says, if you practice these qualities, right, for in this way, there will be richly provided for you an entrance, will be, future tense, an entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And so you're living intentionally and you're pursuing godliness and you're doing all the right things, not even religiously. You're doing it as an overflow of the grace of God in your life. You have a revelation of God's faithfulness and you're just responding by being obedient. And you would say, I'm in the kingdom. And I would say, yes, you are. But I would also say that you're still waiting on a future entry into the kingdom. That tension, isn't there? Can you feel that? That tension? There's a tension that we see in the word. You're already in the kingdom, but not yet in it. You know what we're like? We're, we're like kids who are waiting for Christmas to come back around. We're waiting on all the gifts under the tree, right? We're waiting on all the, the baked goods to just fill the counter. We're waiting on the feast that's going to cover the table. All of our friends and family, it's a reunion, right? Christmas is a party. Like, yes, I'm waiting on that eagerly. I'm thinking about it. I got lists of all the things I'm going to ask and say and do, and I'm just dreaming about it. And it's only the 20th of June. You still got six months, partner. 
we still got some time where we're, we're sensitive to and remembering the joy of Christmas, but still waiting on that experience again. And here we are as believers. We live in the place in between, longing for God to complete his promise. This already not yet tension is found in so many of God's promises. I don't know if you guys are aware of that. I'm going to give you just a couple other examples, but the list goes on and on. How about sanctification? You guys familiar with that word, right? That means you're uh, in the process of becoming more like Christ. Your character is being shaped into the likeness of Christ's character. And we're on this journey of sanctification, but we also know that the word says that you're already sanctified. You've been sanctified in God's eyes, yet you're being sanctified and you will be fully sanctified when, when Jesus returns. And understanding this frees you from the cycle of condemnation that many of us find ourselves in when we make mistakes. Because we're like, well, I'm supposed to be sanctified. That's what the word says. That's what that, that brother or sister keeps telling me. You're sanctified. You shouldn't be acting that way. Well, hold up. You're setting an unreasonable expectation for me. Because the word also says I'm still being sanctified. And so I'm going to miss some things. And so that helps you not have to walk in condemnation. Amen? Aren't you thankful for that? Then how about this one? This is a big topic right now, near and dear to not only my heart, but God's heart, this topic of justice. And as, as Christians, as followers of Jesus, we are called as ambassadors of the kingdom of God to do the very best we can by the grace and power of God to see right wrongs be made right in this world. However, we can't put expectations on ourselves or one another to accomplish something that only God truly has the power to fully accomplish himself. And we can't put expectations on God to accomplish these things in a timeline that we feel is reasonable, not God's timeline. And so, so we struggle with this idea of, of, of pursuing justice when really what God is calling us to do is to, to, yes, pursue it, but also to wait on him. And yeah, we long for the, truth, the, the justice that God's going to bring to be fully manifest on earth. And we pray that way and we serve that way. But at the same time, it's not going to fully come justice until Jesus returns. And, and, and you know, a lot of people don't even want that justice to come because when God brings justice to all the earth, the unjust will be judged and so there will be justice, but then there will also be justice where the, the just and right, the righteous, will be exalted. And so this is a time that we long for, that we look forward to. How about healing? Come on, we're, we are healed by Jesus' stripes. Amen? Come on, I, I pray and believe that by the shed blood of Jesus that I literally have been healed in the spiritual realm. My spirit has been set free from bondage and liberated. And I also believe that by the shed blood of Jesus, by his stripes that he took on his back, I believe that I could be healed in my mind, in my emotions, and even in my body. Jesus is still doing miracles, right? Come on. But I also know that I'm being healed. I'm on a journey of discovering the healing that God has for me. I know that God's timeline for healing is different for everybody. 
And I know that one day, those who are in Christ Jesus will be completely and fully healed when Jesus returns. And there's that tension where we know that we're healed, yet we're being healed and will be healed. And walking in that is difficult at times because we're praying and believing for our own healings and the healings of the people around us. And and we're wondering, God, why are you waiting on this? But when we understand that we live in this already not yet tension that the scripture is clearly laid out for us, then we can wait on the Lord and be freed from the disappointment that comes when God says this healing will take time. And it may not be exactly how you'd like. And it may not even be until eternity. And that's hard to swallow sometimes, especially when you're in the midst of a time when you're praying and believing for healing. The place in between is a mysterious experience filled with both joy and pain. 1 Corinthians 13, the Apostle Paul wrote to the church at Corinth. He says, we see in a mirror dimly, right? But then face to face. Now I know in part, then I'll know fully. And so we're in this mysterious place in between where there's joy and pain and we don't fully understand it. We see it all dimly. But did you know that one day you'll know? One day God will reveal to you a deeper revelation of his will. I don't know what heaven's going to look like and how much of his will he'll completely reveal. I'd like to think all of it. I'd like to think we come into the fullness of the revelation of God at that time. I don't know for sure, but what I do know is you'll know enough. And you'll be able to confidently lay everything down that's been in your past, all the brokenness, all of the pain, kneeling before the King of kings and Lord of lords, giving him worship. At that day. You know, my dad, he passed six and a half years ago. And I miss him a lot. I do. But me and my dad didn't always have a relationship that I would have missed. Uh, Early in my life, our family just was fractured. I mean, it really broke up. And I'll spare you the details for the sake of brevity. But I, I removed any honor and parental authority from my dad at the age of 12. And we never had a, a, a relationship really. After that, until I got saved. I gave my life to Christ, surrendered at the foot of the cross. I was transformed. I was a new creation. And God gave me grace to to let a lot of that stuff go. And I began to go on the journey of forgiveness and healing. Not in a moment. It was a journey. And then, not long after, my dad, well, he got saved. He surrendered his life to Christ. And praise God for that. And we became brothers in Christ. Now we're sharing, fellowshipping in the spirit, in the word. Still struggling around that whole honor thing. Still struggling around that whole looking at him as a fatherly figure. By the grace of God, he eventually gave that back to me. But in the end of his life, when we found out the diagnosis was, uh, was, was serious, it was a very aggressive form of cancer, we were actually told that he only had six months to live. That's, that's what he understood and, and, and informed me about. He wound up living for a year and a half and, and we praise God for that time. And in that time, I realized, man, I want to make up for some lost time. And a lot of things kept us apart. Lots of family members. He was in Pennsylvania. I'm here on the coast, all kinds of things, right? But, but we weren't able to engage as often as I would have liked, especially knowing that, you know, hey, this, this could be the end. Now we're praying for healing. We're praying and believing that God will do a miracle. But at the end of the day, my dad had this resolute faith. 
And in our conversations, I mean, I was in a very transitional uh, period of life during that year and a half, came on staff here at the church, major career change, you know, now deal, you know, walking in my calling in a new way, trying to figure out, you know, how to be who I am now in the context of this team, you know, just brand new in this thing, a uh, new baby, uh, man, uh, young marriage, and a number of other things that come with life. Now my dad's sick, and I just wanted my dad to give me some practical advice at times, right? Just give me some practical advice. And he kept referring to scriptures. <laughs> he kept just, just, well, I'll tell you what I think about that. And he'd go to this scripture. And I'll tell you what, I, I'll, I'll go to that. Dad, could you just, can we just have a normal conversation? You know, I just want to hear from you about these things. And, and don't get me wrong. He, he gave me a lot of great advice in that last year and a half. But, but he, he kept anchoring himself to the hope and the faith that he had that was fueled by the word and the spirit. And he would refer to scriptures like Hebrews 11 where he'd say faith is the confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. So we're praying and believing for healing, but we don't see it. We're praying and believing that God's gonna do something in our relationship. We're not seeing it all. But my dad's confident that it's coming. What a testimony to me. His favorite book of the Bible in that time was Philippians. God was speaking to him through that book. And in Philippians 1, he reminded me of this. I'm sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion. When? When will God bring this work to completion? At the day of Jesus Christ. At the day of Christ's return. See, he's already begun the work in you, but he's not yet brought it to completion. And he's going to complete it at a specific time that's clearly communicated to us in the scriptures. Now, we oftentimes, like the Jews in Jesus' time, get it messed up. We get it twisted. We think that the Messiah's first coming was when God was going to take all of the brokenness of the world and make it right. He was going to bring justice. He was going to bring his kingdom. And that's what many people were looking for. And when Jesus came with the upside down kingdom saying, no, it's different than you understood. You misunderstood. And he said, actually, I'm going on the cross to accomplish something first. Then I'll bring the kingdom. They, they missed him. But the New Testament church, filled with the Holy Spirit, relying heavily upon the revelation that they're getting from the scriptures, relying heavily upon the teaching that Jesus himself was offering them, the, the New Testament church, they were set on Christ's second coming. They were thankful for the cross and the resurrection, and that was the anchor of their faith and their hope. But they also knew that the rest of their faith and hope was attached to Christ coming again for the church. And that's what they were eagerly waiting on, knowing that their hope would be complete at the day of Jesus Christ. Did you know that Christ is coming again? Do you, do you eagerly await Christ's return? Are you looking forward to that time when Jesus comes to make all that's broken, all that's wrong, right in this world? That's what the New Testament church was set like a flint on when Jesus comes and ushers in the fullness of his kingdom, the new age. In 1 Corinthians 15, it says, Then comes the end when he delivers the kingdom to God the Father. After destroying every rule and every authority and power, for he must reign until he has put all his enemies under his feet. And the last enemy to be destroyed is death. But I thought death and the grave was destroyed on the cross. It was. 
death and the grave are still needing to be destroyed. I, that tension, it's a mystery. This is the spiritual realm, and we're attached to the physical realm, yet attached to the spiritual realm, and we're being drawn to think differently, and we have to put all of our thinking into what the spiritual realm promises, which is that death is destroyed, but it also shows death will be destroyed. How do we walk out that tension? In verse 54, just a few verses down, it says, when the perishable puts on the imperishable and the mortal puts on immortality. That means when the dying, what's dying, puts on that which doesn't any longer die, right? Then shall come to pass the saying that's written, death is swallowed up in victory. See, this idea that death is swallowed up in victory, yes, it's true today, but it also happened then once and for all. The, the, the enemy is still experiencing shakes. Yes, his neck, his neck is under the foot of Jesus, but there will be one final death blow that's dealt to the enemy, and at that time, we will have the fullness of the victory in Christ, and that's what we're eagerly waiting on. And this isn't some end times overemphasis. And this isn't some... Hey, underemphasis of the fact that we walk in the power and authority of Christ Jesus today. I'm not underemphasizing that. We do. But Jesus himself pointed the church to this. He's talking in Luke 21 about some cosmic chaos, right? And some global distress that's taking place and, and there's fear all throughout the world. And he gives this to the, the followers, those disciples that are there with him. He says, and then they'll see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. Then, now, when these things begin to take place, straighten up, raise up your heads because your redemption is drawing near. Come on, just for, for just a moment, and I, I want to see hands in this place. Is there anybody in this place that's redeemed by the blood of the Lamb? Is there anybody in here that's saved by the grace of Jesus Christ? You're redeemed. Yet at that time, your redemption is drawing near. You see the tension. See, many of us have expectations in this life that life would be something that God didn't exactly promise. Now, God made many, many promises that we stand on. But he didn't promise that he would manifest all of the fruit of those promises in this life. Or in this moment that we're currently in. And that's tough sometimes to reconcile. And what happens is we begin to live in a way that reflects that we're longing for something that we're not actually finding satisfaction in. And we begin to invest all of our thought and our energy and our relationships and our resources, our money into things of the world that actually can't satisfy the longings that only Christ himself can satisfy. And so we find ourselves walking through seasons of sorrow, seasons of want, Seasons of disappointment, brokenness, pain, trauma. And I know that's true for so many of us in this room. And we're saying, but what about the promises of God? What, what, what about the fact that God overcame all this stuff through his son Jesus on the cross? Why am I still living in this mess? And that sorrow 
makes us susceptible to deception. This deception, this lie from the enemy that God doesn't keep his promises. But did you know that God keeps his promises? Did you know that the promises of God are yes and amen? Did you know that the calling of God on your life is irrevocable and that which God has begun in your life, he is faithful to bring to completion? God will not be counted slack on his promise. Sometimes we miss things. Maybe your dad missed something. He made some promises that he wasn't able to follow through on. But God, your father, he follows through. And even in sorrow, even in pain, even in the brokenness of our lives, because we know this to be true, because we know that he's already done it, and we know he's still doing it, and we know he's going to eventually completely do it. If we can rest in that with hope and faith, then we can run this race with endurance. You know, I told you my dad's favorite book of the Bible was Philippians. And he would refer to these next few verses more than ever. And I'm just going to tell you right now, as a son, I was so thankful that my dad continuously skipped some steps in the conversation that I really wanted him to take, that he skipped some of the practical things and continued to drill this into me in his last days. Because it's in me. And I hold on to this. And so I want to offer it to you. And hopefully it'll get in you. And hopefully you'll be able to hold on to this. Paul said, not that I've already obtained this or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. You see, we place our faith and our hope in the promises of God. But we can do that. We can trust his promise. We can trust the character of God, even in the midst of the hardships, because we know that he loves us. Christ made you his own. That's a picture of love. God gave his son Jesus a sacrifice so that you could have right relationship with God. That's a picture of a perfect father's love. You understand? He says, brothers, I do not consider that I've made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead. Talk about a faith-filled perspective. I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. He had his mind set on eternity. He had his affections set on heaven. The upward call. Christ is calling us upward, first to lift our heads as we walk through life, first to lift our chest, to lift our faith, to lift our hope, to lift our prayers to him, the one from whom our strength comes. But ultimately, the upward call of Christ is this dry bones coming alive, us being breathed on by the Spirit of God, being born again, experiencing salvation, and one day walking in the completeness and fullness of that salvation in eternity. And that's what we are really longing for. You know, 
Paul says, let those of us who are mature think this way. Can I just be honest with you? I forget this sometimes. I'm still maturing. I mean, I'm, I'm a pastor. I, I guess I'd have to say I'm kind of mature, I guess. But I'm, I'm maturing. And one day I'll be completely mature in Christ. But on this journey, sometimes I get distracted. And I need this reminder. And I'm so thankful when the Spirit of God brings this to remembrance in my heart. I'm so thankful when my brothers and sisters in Christ bring this to remembrance in my heart. I'm so thankful when I spend time reading the word and this is brought to remembrance in my heart. I'm so thankful when I look at our mission statement as a church. Our mission is to build Christ-centered communities that help people know God, grow in Christ, and go in the power of the Holy Spirit. When? Until Jesus returns. This church we are walking out our salvation, encouraging one another, serving the community of believers and the community abroad and pointing one another to God that they might know salvation, that they might know the grace of Jesus, that they might know the power of, Holy, of the Holy Spirit at work in their lives and that they might be able to walk with endurance through the remainder of this life until Jesus returns. Come on, that's a great mission statement, don't you think? And that's the mission of God that he has for our lives, for every single one of us. And so maybe you're in this room right now and you've already put your trust in these things. But maybe you haven't. And I want to give you an opportunity to do that right now. Well, can we bow our heads and close our eyes together if you don't mind? I just want to quickly pray. For those of you who are here and, and maybe you've been walking without faith. Maybe you've been walking without hope. You don't know Jesus, you don't know his grace, and, and you aren't convinced that you've been made new, transformed by the power of his Holy Spirit. I want to give you an opportunity to put your trust in Jesus right now. And it's just very simple. You just have to pray a simple prayer. Really, it's something that's inside of you. You don't actually even have to vocalize it. But if you wanted to, I think there's power in confessing this with your mouth. If that's you and you just feel like God is displaying his love as a father to you right now, you, you're sensing that he loves you, that he knows your name, and you're realizing that Jesus is the only place that you have hope, then now's the time to surrender your life to Jesus. And, and the prayer can look like this. Jesus, I need you. You can repeat after me. You can say this in your heart. Jesus, please forgive me. Heavenly Father, please forgive me for my sin that's caused the separation in our relationship. I want a whole relationship with you. I want to be transformed. I want to be filled with your spirit. And I want to walk through this life with faith and hope in the one who made me brand new. Come on. If that's you and you just prayed that prayer, you just prayed the most important thing that you could ever pray. God is faithful. God is good. He loves you. He'll never leave you nor forsake you. That's a promise of God. And you can walk in confidence in this life. Though you may have to walk through more brokenness, though you may have to walk through more disappointment, you can walk knowing that you are not walking alone. You now have the good shepherd walking with you. And he will go with you through the valley of the shadow of death and he will go with you on those high places, but he will not leave you alone. 
Amen. Come on, let's give it up for God. He's faithful. And what we're going to do here in just a moment is we're going to go back into worship. But first, I want to let you guys know who just prayed that prayer uh, that we have some next steps cards in the seat pocket in front of you. And if you would just grab that card, fill that card out, say, hey, I just decided to follow Jesus. Put some simple information on that card. And uh, one of our pastors from this location is going to be in touch with you to help you understand what some next steps are. I'm just going to tell you this. You need community. You can't walk this walk by yourself. That's why God gives us the church, one of the big reasons. And, and so don't go at it alone. So fill out that card. Let us come alongside of you and serve you and give you some resources that will help you know how to take some next steps in Jesus. If you're new here also, we'd love for you to fill out that card. Let us know uh, that you are here today. Uh, if you'd like to take some next steps with Northwood Church, you can use that card for the same. Also, we're going to have a prayer team here at the front of the auditorium immediately following this service. Look, we all have very difficult things happening in our lives at times. And sometimes we just need somebody to pray with us and agree with us. You might not have the words. Somebody's going to be here that has them. You might not have the energy. Somebody's going to be here that will lift your arms, that will hold you up. You might, you might just want to pray yourself and somebody here is just going to agree with you as you pray. But come get some prayer before you leave this place today. Will you guys stand to your feet? I want to pray for the church and then we're going to go back into worship. And then you guys are going to have an incredible Father's Day. And Sunday. And so, Father, I thank you so much for today. I thank you that your word is true and powerful. God, that it speaks to us. God, for the church, would you encourage us? Would you cause us to hold on to the hope that you've given us in Christ Jesus, even when we can't see everything that you're doing, knowing that you will bring every good work to completion. And whether it happens tomorrow, next week, or upon Jesus' return, we will wait eagerly on you to display your love, your grace, and your mercy in our lives. And we find rest in that. We find sanctuary in that. And we worship you because of it. Come on, God. We love you. We thank you. And we give you all glory and honor in Jesus' name. Amen. Come on, let's worship Jesus.